Blessed be the name of Jesus. Uh, hope everybody is well. Pastor Eddie here. I'm just inspired to share with you this short uh, message. I've been pondering upon it. It's so exciting. It's going to grow as time goes by, I believe. You know, uh, so I'm just doing this podcast because of excitement, nothing much. And I believe it's going to be a blessing to you in the name of the Lord. We all know by now that the word of God carries final authority. The word of God is eternal, it is immortal, it is unbreakable, it is perfect, it is plenary. All right, we preach everything from Genesis up to the map. Uh, we preach the full stops, the commas, everything. Uh, we preach everything in that word. All right, it is plenary, it is complete. There's no need for you to add any other book. Um, uh, then the word of God is inerrant, even though there can be mistakes in the transliterations and all of these things, the languages. But that does not change the fact that uh, the word of God is without a mistake. The mistake might have come with people who are transliterating or, you know, trying to bring a translation into that particular verse or a book. But the word of God is actually inherent. All right. It is authoritative. It is supreme. It is above any other book that you can ever think of uh, in this world. Right, the word of God is self interpreting, self authenticating. Um, uh, it is holy, all right. It is, it is multi dimensional, it is generational. Okay, uh, the scriptures are alive, man, and they are, they are God. Okay, yeah, the word is God, uh, John will say in John 1. So, yeah, they carry final authority. Uh, how do you trace the authority of scripture? Um, it's through the authorship of scripture. So authority, we trace it through authorship. Who wrote the scriptures? It is Christ Jesus. And uh, how did they write the scriptures? The writers, the holy apostles, holy uh, prophets, right? They were holy. That one you must take to, to consideration. They were holy uh, writers. So from authority, we have authorship. Okay, which is Christ, and then from the authorship, uh, they were holy men who were writers, the prophets and the apostles. They did not write this book out of their own understanding or mental ability, but they wrote it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the authority is traced through authorship, authorship, writers, writers, inspiration. All right, but we can't just end it there on inspiration because anybody can come with a book and say my Quran or my Mitrash or my Talmud, Jerusalem Talmud or, or Babylonian Talmud. It is actually as much as inspired as, as the Bible, you know. So how then do we trace the, the issue of inspiration? Because the word inspiration, it means an ability to download a revelation from God. So when you claim that a book is actually a divine book and it's, it is an inspirational book, you are actually saying that that book has the spirit of God in it. So how then do we prove the inspiration of any scripture? It could be Quran or whatever. Number one, we have to check uh, the issue of, of, of the fulfillment of the prophetic element in that particular book so if the book is prophetic it has to foretell or 
to, to tell us something that will happen in the future. So the prophecies of that particular book, did they come to pass? You see, that's how you check the inspiration. Uh, for somebody to prophesy, uh, like uh, Moses wrote in Genesis chapter 3, when he said the seed of a woman will crush the head of a serpent, did that thing come to pass? And if it did, therefore it proves that the book uh, is actually an inspirational book or is inspired by God. And the second element of inspiration is um, and the durability. All right, The book has to be um, durable. It has to, to not to lose value. All right, it has to increase in value. It has to have the same impact from every generation. It must not be changed by circumstances. It must not be changed by any other authority that exists in this particular world. In that sense, we know that if it is uh, durable or uh, surpassing generations to generations, then we know that this book has final authority and uh, the governmental structures of this world, they're actually subject to it because before they were even born, they found the books still existing and having the same power and authority to humankind. Okay, that's how we trace the issues of uh, uh, inspiration. So if your Bible uh, can, can have prophecies that are fulfilled, that are very much ancient, like the prophecy of Isaiah, that was there 750 years before it came to pass concerning Christ's crucifixion or how he suffered on the cross. Therefore, really, that really proves that the Bible is actually uh, inspired by God. Yeah, but you can check any other book in the world. There's no book like that in the whole world. The Bible is the only book that is inspired by God. So I want us to talk about today. There's something that I've been pondering upon. Uh, I decided to call it the crescendo or the crescendos of scripture. Crescendo means um, you know, value. It means to, to, to build up something. It means if you were to make something to be loud, okay? Um, if you make it, it talks about the climaxes of something. If something reaches its uttermost, you know, its uttermost or ultimate um, state of operation, if I can call it that way, you know, the climaxes of something. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's trap it there. Let's trap it there. Let's give it a maybe a subtitle to say it is written. All right. There's a scripture that I want us to read. A scripture that I want us to read uh, from Deuteronomy chapter number thirty-one, verse number twenty-four. Moses says, "So it was when Moses had." completed the writings of this law in a book when they finished that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord saying take this book of the law and put it besides the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God that it may be there as a witness against you for I know your rebellion and your stiff neck if you today while I'm yet alive with you you have been rebellious against your Lord then how much more after my death All right so this is Paul not Paul, Moses rather. Moses is talking to the Levites. He's commanding the Levites to take the book of the law and then they must put it actually on the side of the ark. That is very much interesting that the ark of the covenant, uh, God instructed the golden pot of manna, the stick um, 
uh, of Aaron that budded and the tablets of the stone to be inside. But we are seeing the prophet of God uh, also given instruction to say, even if you can have the Ark of the Covenant, which talks about the presence of the Lord, which talks about the name of Jesus, because wherever that covenant was, it was um, an assurance that the victory is theirs. Whichever nation had the covenant, which which had the Ark of the Covenant, was guaranteed victory, you know, in warfare and stuff like that, because warfare is an ancient spirit. Story for another day. So what is happening here is the fact that um, uh, Paul, not Paul, Moses is uh, given an instruction to the Levites to take the book of the law that they may put it on the side of the Ark of the Covenant. All right, so that these people uh, they might not rebel against the Lord even after he has died. This is very much interesting that what will take away rebellion um, and the stiff nakedness out of Israel's, out of the people or the children of Israel was the fact that there was a book of the Lord that was written. And he actually called the elders and everybody um, that was there at that time so that he can read it loud to them. Uh, so that they can be held accountable if they go astray in his absence. Wow. This is very, very powerful. So hence I want to talk about um, the word crescendos, you know, the crescendos of scripture, the, 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 the swellings, the increases, the build up, you know, the, the loudening of scripture. How do we make scriptures loud? How do we make scriptures to have an impact, you know? Yeah, that is just my heartbeat. The, you know, there was a culture in Israel, uh, the, the oral culture, if I can put it that way, an oral culture would be a culture where they were telling stories to their children, stories that were true, um, because they never had papers or, you know, libraries at that particular time. And I'm talking, you know, ancient cultures, uh, you know, before the days of Moses, and there was a trending culture, you know, historically speaking, uh, which is an oral culture, which will be a culture where they'll be talking, uh, they'll, in order for them to honor somebody, if perhaps you you were to help me with something, and then I don't have anything to give you as a, as a thanksgiving or to honor you, then I will actually tell you a story that is actually you been told by my elders of which the stories are true you know and as i tell you these stories then it will be an a sort of an honor that i give uh, to you you know type of a thing it's a, it's a very ancient ancient culture all right um that is why you find verses like uh when 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 moses wrote and it says and moses died Okay, uh, and when he died, how did he write the rest of the Torah? That is the question, you see. So you can see from that element that uh, there was somebody who was actually telling the story from that perspective. All right, he was telling the story. The old people used to have um, uh, scribes, okay, that will go with them, like Prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah will prophesy, and Baruch will be there as a scribe to write and to record what the prophet has already uh, prophesied. When they went to Babylon, Daniel, when he read the books by Jeremiah, it was because of the work of Baruch, all right, the work of the scribe. So hence, 
we see in the New Testament that where the Pharisees were, there was also a company of people called the scribes that were accompanying these people. They were always, you know, in the same space almost all the time with the Pharisees. Uh, they were busy with the, uh, the scrolls and stuff like that. I don't want to get into those details, how the scroll came about and stuff like that. But here's my 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 presentation to you the holy spirit when he speaks to us he speaks to us uh, in three levels all right the first level is the issue of revelation okay and the holy spirit spoke to the prophets and the apostles through a revelation okay the revelation now the word revelation is the word apocalypsis all right it has to do with uncapping something but we are not actually when we talk about revelation in our time or in our dispensation we are not necessarily talking about um uh, you know revelation like paul had or like moses had that caused them to have an ability to write down scripture all right so the ability to write down scripture which is inspiration is derived from revelation that they had which is like the raw material that they had and therefore they had an ability to write about it we are not flowing in revelation and we are not flowing in the second level of communication which is inspiration but we are flowing from a place of illumination uh, paul talks about it in um, uh, ephesians chapter 1 verse number 17 when he was praying uh, in his prayer there, that he may, our eyes of understanding may be enlightened. So that's what I'm talking about, enlightenment. When you bring light into something and uh, when you get an understanding out of something, that is the type or a level of revelation that I'm talking about. Anybody who claims that he has a revelation besides scripture is a liar. The type of a revelation that we flow from cannot be outside the borders of scripture. Right, anybody who, who who claims to flow in a revelation that Paul uh, had or the writers of Scripture had, that person is actually flowing in deception because it simply means that he can also add books in the Bible. He can also flow in the ability of downloading the revelation of God, which is inspiration, the ability to write down Scripture, which I believe is not. Uh, true it's not practical we are not called to edit or add scripture we are called to interpret scripture through the eyes of our understanding enlightenment so here's my point all right uh, here's my point um how do we bring volume how do we bring a building up of scripture you know for it to have volume jesus says the volume of this book they are written of me. So Christ, number one, is the greatest key when you want to bring a volume, when you want to bring the, the scriptures to its ultimate operation, ultimate impact. Christ says the volume of this book are written of me. Uh, but I want to show you something that Christ did and how he actually used scriptures. Number one, you must remember that the scriptures are written. So that is why it is important for us um, to to read. I'm going to come to that just now. All right. The crusade, the crescendos of scripture. There are scriptures uh, that are actually revealing Christ, quoting the word. For instance, when he was tempted by the devil, Christ, he said, it is written. That's what he said. The first thing he said, he said, it is written. And he quoted, um, I think it's Deuteronomy 8, verse number 3. When he talked about John the Baptist confirming uh, John the Baptist to be the messenger, he quoted the prophets. 
Mordecai, which is the book of Malachi. He quoted also when he talked about um, um, the house of God to be the house of prayer in, in Matthew 21. I think he quoted Isaiah there, Isaiah 56, all right, and so forth. So we can see that there is a, 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 a tradition, rather. There is a, there is a way in which scriptures are used, ultimately. I mean, imagine Jesus, he defeated the devil by quoting scriptures. And it's very interesting when you check what the devil has also said um, during that conversation he had um, with Jesus, because the devil did say also that didn't the Bible say that you shall, you know, cast yourself down and the Lord will lift your head up and that your feet may not kick against the stone. So the devil was quoting scripture. All right. So he knew or he knows rather what is written. All right. So here are the crescendos of scripture. As I close, I don't want to take long. These are the, the, the this is how we bring scripture into its ultimate uh, operation in our lives all right and by so saying i'm not trying to say that the scriptures are not powerful or anything the scriptures are still powerful the scriptures are still powerful yeah they are powerful on their own but uh, the first thing is you need to study all right yeah i want to cut it short you need to study study to show yourself approve the workman who correctly devised the word of truth. So studying the word studies the word from the word Greek word spudazo, which means speed. When you study you increase speed. Okay, velocity. That's how you 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 put a crescendos of scripture. Two, you meditate. The word uh, meditate is, is from the word uh, haga in Hebrew. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, let not this book of the Lord depart from thy mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. The word meditate is the word haga. It means to mama. It means to groan. It means to imagine. All right. When we meditate, we don't empty our minds as Christians. When we meditate, we haga, we, we mama, we speak words, we imagine things, we speak the word. We speak what the word creates in our minds. Right, that is meditation. Meditation is not silence in Christianity. The word haga also has to do with the, the groanings like a dove, okay? To groan like a dove. When a dove groans, you can even sleep under the tree because it's not irritating. So meditation is not irritation, okay? When you meditate, you can irritate somebody. All right, the public reading, Nehemiah 8.8. This is how you make the word of God powerful or to show its impact. You know, the crescendos of scripture. When you do public reading of scripture. Okay. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 13. Uh, Paul commanded the, the saints or Timothy rather to do all these other things. To exhort the saints and to do public reading of scripture. Okay. Not public preaching but public reading of scripture. And then we can preach it and become the resource. The ones who proclaim on the rooftop and the ones who are like um, another word for preachers, the word koleheth, which has to do with a female gatherer, meaning a preacher is somebody with a, a womb. You should be able to receive a seed and be able to give birth. All right. I hope this made sense. So the crescendos of scripture, okay, the crescendos of scripture is meditation, studying, okay, public reading. And the preaching of the word. Number five, I forgot this one, is prayer. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 17, that is the prayer of Paul. And that God may bring us the spirit of enlightenment, you know, 
yeah, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay, it comes through prayer. So prayer, studying of the word, uh, meditation, public reading and preaching. These are the things that show or expose the power of scripture or the power of the written word. And you can't meditate if you have not read anything. You can't study if there's nothing written. You can't do public anything written. You can't do public preaching if there is nothing that is written. So let the Ark of the Covenant, the name of Jesus, uh, have the book of the law besides it. That's what I'm saying. We can't push the power of God, the presence of God, and do all these miraculous things and live out the book. The, the, we are we embracing what is inside, but we, it's time that we might also embrace what is on the side of just beside the, the Ark of the Covenant, which is the laws of God, the written law. When Jesus, like we have read, like I've stated, when Jesus was attacked by the devil, he said it is written, meaning he has read something. When he was affirming another fellow worker, John the Baptist, he has read Malachi. You know, when he was talking about um, uh, the the persecution that will come during his crucifixion, he says it is written that I shall strike the the shepherd and the, and the sheep will scatter. Quoting Zechariah thirteen, you see. So what is written gets amplified as soon as we study, as soon as we meditate and do public reading. Okay, because remember in the book of Nehemiah, when they started to read the Lord, the hearts of men they were convicted just by reading it, not preaching. So this is how we make the word of God to have power, you know, to reach its climaxes, you know, to 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 louden it, to make it loud and to make it heard. Yeah, I hope this makes sense and you are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.